This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? You're muted, Mike. <laughs> hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. That's saying in the recording. Uh, I, I, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I did show this off beforehand, but I like to point out, as we're in the season, I have a nice signed photo from Nancy Pelosi that came in the mail yesterday of her pointing at Trump and Trump looking like he's really confused. And the quotation is, I'll never back down to the bullies, and I know you won't either. Thanks for having your back. And I won't back down to bullies whatsoever or bully Ray. Well, I'm glad that we have you here, uh, Mike, supporting uh, us against the bullies. We need you. We need you. So thanks for standing on that line. I, You know, I try. I I try. How are you doing, Big Cat? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm concerned right now that, that I was supposed to go to Nate this time, but Nate was backed far away from the microphone, so I, I felt like I couldn't go to him first. Uh, but I know Table is going to be getting at me in the Discord to say that I've done Mike like three times in a row or something. So we'll see. But we're also joined by a man who sometimes stands far back from his microphone. It's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, gentlemen. Um, yeah, I move away from the microphone to breathe. That's an old meme. Remember that? Chocolate rain. Um, what else? I'm drinking a, a fine boss coffee, flash brew, brewed hot, chilled fast. Uh, just decided to say fuck it to my evening and uh getting any reasonable amount of sleep before work tomorrow by having a third coffee of the day here in the early evening hours what else that's all i got i, I, mean, I imagine it, that you have a full day a full night of now of genshin impact in front of you after drinking that no you know i i installed the genshin impact i got through the like a little initial you know tutorial story stuff uh, did my first gotcha poll. Got, a, got I think, a pretty good gotcha poll there. Um, but it really, it, it runs pretty poorly, even on a PS4 Pro. And now we're sort of in this, uh, you know, purgatory state where the new consoles haven't come out yet. And it's really hard to motivate myself to like, oh, yeah, I'm going to invest a bunch of time on my PS4 instead of just waiting for the PS5 when it stands to reason it will run a bit more smoothly. So, uh, no, my evening will probably be uh doom scrolling listening to whatever new albums drop at 11 p.m here um and uh that's about it wait, wait a second nate huh. speaking of new albums i don't believe on this podcast you have addressed blackpink's the album well no would have been impossible for me to do it on this podcast as it did drop after our record last week um, I know, I know you forgot a lot about what we recorded last week, but, uh, yeah, no, came out last Friday, quite happy with it. think it's really pretty good. seems like 
the vast majority of the Blinks and even some of the K-pop general public uh, are pretty happy with it. Uh, the critics are being haters as as they're wont to do. Uh, I think that uh, there's a certain person on this podcast who's being a bit of a hater. Uh, but I, I really think that four or five of those songs are among their best. Yeah, I'm a definite. I'm on the uh, the skeptic side of the axis on the new Blackpink album. It uh, I've come around on Lovesick Girls, so that's that's I've decided is a bop. But I still like how you like that is probably still my favorite song off the album. Well, it's uh, still it continues to chart and continues to break records. So you know yes. uh, you're not in bad company. You know, liking that song in particular. That's good. Um, but yeah, you know the the real I think idol experts like your Matt SDLs got a strong endorsement from Matt. So can't argue with that. That's your, true. Your pop music experts, your Champ Julius's strong endorsement of the tracks. Hard to argue with that. Uh, so I'm in pretty good company here, I think. You are, but it's. Uh, would you agree with me that it is much more Western pop oriented than their previous offerings? Yeah, it's like it's barely K-pop. It's <laughs> it, it's a Western pop album, and they included some Korean on it to like maintain that authenticity. I guess this, of course, has been controversial. Um, you know, people are like, "Oh, a lot of English on this album. How do we feel about that?" Uh, but honestly, you know. Most K-pop songs are written in English and then translated to Korean. So it's not necessarily, you know, dishonest or inauthentic to just sing it in, in English, uh, especially in a group like this where, you know, three of your four members are, you know, reasonably fluent in English and uh, native English speakers in some cases. Uh, so, yeah, you kind of, you, you know, K-pop is more an industry than I think a genre. And, uh, you know, coming up on Netflix, the Blackpink documentary, uh, looking at their formation in early days. And I think uh, I think Ginny says it correctly, where what defines them as K-pop is not necessarily the music, but is the time they spent as trainees, I think, is the interesting part. Mm. See, I, I don't care about whether it's in English or Korean. Obviously, I don't speak Korean, so it's you know nice for me to understand the words. But it's I think they lose a bit of like the ridiculousness that is sometimes in K-pop, like the the massive and sometimes out of nowhere changes in the songs mm -hmm. where they just like hop between genres in songs. These songs are like much more uh, coherent and fluid. <laughs> and and uh, I kind of like when it's a little more out there, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I think those, those moments are still on the album, but they're a little less, a little less jarring. Um, like pretty savage. will just randomly, uh, Oh, it's acoustic guitar now. And Rose is going to sing a breakdown. Uh, and they do, I think there's like three different breakdowns on Lovesick Girls where it's, you know, a David Guetta pop anthem from eight years ago. But then suddenly it's like, oh, no, here's an acoustic guitar breakdown. Uh, so I think those are still there, but they've maybe like smoothed out the edges a little bit. And I, I kind of get what you mean. Like there, there's definitely an appeal to like that. You know, I like the maximalist side of it and those jarring changes where they're just hitting every single part of a of a song is uh uh is lacking a little bit i think on these because they are they're kind of smoothed over they're they're definitely more western pop than k-pop so that's five minutes on blackpink's the album which i know everybody came for check it out yeah check it out i i still give it a recommendation it's just you know my, not my not my favorite thoughts i know you listened i you know, I'm still, I, I would say that as the neophyte to K-pop, I 
I enjoyed it. You know, I don't necessarily have like the frame of reference. I like, like I'm aware of a lot of idol culture, of course, but it's one of those things that like, um, my favorite thing about K-pop uh, about Blackpink is that they're willing to tell us every song that they're in our area. And that uh, I think it's Jenny is the one that, that likes to make mouth noises when she raps. And I enjoy that a lot. Those are my main takes on this. I mean, it, it's not Yukika, so it's not like something that like whenever I listen to it, it comes up on like my shelf. I'm like, you know what? I'm having a good time. And for me, I want my albums to have a good time and I could give it the uh, official Your Old Pal Award of this album's a good time. And I feel like that's all we really need out of it. Well said. Very. All right. If you want more of our thoughts on Blackpink's The Album, you can follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Card. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. You can subscribe to the podcast. Please do. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And if you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite for lots of bonus audio content. Tonight on the show, we're going to do what we always oh, you know do. What? Uh, sorry, I'm going. I, I meant to ask. What He's does SB rogue. think of it? What does SB think of it? Of the um, she uh, likes it. Uh, more than I do, for sure. Okay. Okay. So I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in good company. You can she, you can stay outside of our little yeah cool idol pop gang. She was the first one to um, try to sell me on Lovesick Girls. She's like, I, I don't know. It's I, okay. Let me just out myself as a dummy. I'll just do it right here. Okay. Here's why I didn't like Lovesick Girls originally. The the big breakdown, or no, the the chorus in the chorus when they're like. Um, we, yeah, you have that first part that, that is cool that I really like. Okay, then it goes into the like the second half of the chorus. We were born to be loved. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought the lyrics were "We were born to be loved." So why are we still looking for love? And I was like, okay. "This doesn't make any fucking sense." So now here's here's something else that I'll say in the in K-pop in general. You got to watch the music video, Aaron. Yeah, that I went. That, so okay, you definitely. First of all, the music video will. It's a lot like watching Purple Rain. Like you watch Purple Rain and get all the songs in context. The album just becomes like ten times better. Sure, this also applies to K-pop videos because it's, you know, the video is like a main output of the 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 industry. Uh, but yeah, it, it's printed there behind them when they're dancing those lyrics. Yeah, I, so I'd heard the the two singles. Obviously, we were driving that friday so i was like i don't i'm not gonna listen to any more of the songs i'm just gonna play it on the drive and listen to it so i hadn't watched the video yet i was waiting to like hear the songs before i watched the video and that's where i went wrong so i i didn't really understand the uh the the, the message of the song at first and mm. once i started to understand the message it uh it grew on me for sure it's a great hook and i was on our time walking the dogs last night i was singing uh, kill this the lyrics to kill this love to the tune of Love Sick mm. Girls. Interesting. <laughs> uh, uh, interesting note on that song. Uh, production credit for David Guetta. Also, production credit for Jenny. Also, lyrics credits for Jenny and Jisoo. So that was on Love Sick Girls. On Love Sick Girls. That was the one that had their uh, the most input from the act itself. Now, that's interesting. I wonder if Jenny wrote her own rap for, for Love Sick Girls. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you did get a brief uh, reappearance of Jenny and the band rapper on there. Did you follow the controversy? I'm going we're going for 10 minutes on Blackpink and then I'm going to bring it up a third time later in the show. Okay. Did you follow the controversy with the the content of the music video already? They always have one of these. Uh, I don't uh, I don't think so. 
Uh, so the Korean Nurses Association got mad that oh, well, Jenny dressed up as a nurse and powerful saying, lobby there. Powerful <laughs> lobby <laughs> was, was saying that it you know contributes to like the fetishization of nurses, which you know I'm sure there's an argument to that, but it's also like it was not presented in the in the music video in like a fetish or a titillating manner whatsoever. She's just like dressed as a nurse and and, and sitting there, so. Uh, then you, of course, have the uh, the K-pop fans, the stands, now going to war with the Korean nurses. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe got to pick your spots there. Well, here's that my was, that was probably foreseeable. Here's my question: The National Nurses Association endorsed Bernie. Where did the Korean Nurses Association stand? Oh, I don't know. That's what I need to know. I don't know. Um, but they did. Have, so, you know, YG decided. Oh, we're going to remove. We're just going to remove the the nurse in entirely. Um, and the Korean nurses were like, okay, thanks. Uh, now all 440,000 of our members, uh, we support Blackpink now. So be nice to us. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Is that going to count for like a second or third like album spike on the records shop? Because then they all go buy five albums. Like, There were definitely people that were like, you better go fucking buy the album now, nurses. <laughs> uh, a lawyer I, I worked for once, he uh, was telling me a story about an expert on one of our cases about how he had worked as a doctor on a cruise ship mm. and been wild. Yeah. And he's, and they were telling me the story and it involved him uh, having sex with nurses on this cruise ship. And I said, he was fucking the nurses. And this lawyer said to me, Aaron, there's nothing wrong with fucking nurses. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'd like to uh, apologize to the national nurses association <laughs> for no, the Korean nurses association. Well, or, you know, this, this, both, presum- I guess both. it was international waters, the international waters nurses association That's right. or any uh, fetishization of the, the nurses on board uh, that might've been expressed on this podcast. I just feel bad for the people who, who fast forwarded through this because we did 10 minutes on black pink and missed I'm coming, I'm coming back on Blackpink in <laughs> 20 to 30 minutes just, just, just to get those people. All right. Uh, we're going to do what we always do on the show, folks. We're going to talk about what happened on Dynamite this week, and we're going to talk about the ratings, and we'll talk about what's going to happen on Dynamite next week. So let's get it started with Elite or Delete. Nate, buddy, uh, I know it's been a while since we've talked, but the idea here is that you pick your favorite thing from the show. From this week, uh, frankly, a strong show, I thought. So lots of things to choose from. So let, let us know what's your elite pick, Nate. Editorializing there in the introduction. Don't know how <laughs> I feel about that. Um, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a a better show than the wrestling was on it. Uh, and that's what I'm going to pick for my elite thing is <clears throat> they've done a good job in this promotion in general about making random television episodes feel special, and they went the extra mile on doing that here. Uh, you know, would have been easy to do a 30th anniversary of Chris Jericho's show and just had roster members, you know, talk about their favorite Chris Jericho moments in AEW, which they did. Uh, but they also went the extra mile. They had the special video messages. They had the special graphics. Uh, they had the special main event uh, with the, you know, appropriate opponent of Dr. Luther or just Luther now, apparently. Um, and uh, Yeah, that's, uh, I think, has been a strong point of this promotion. We don't get Week after week, the exact well, I guess we do kind of get the exact same set now because they're you know have a have a a residency at Daly's place, but you know it's not the exact same set where every city in in the country is made to look like you know the generic raw arena. Instead, we get 
We get the special Britsburg episode with Britt Baker in her hometown. We get uh, the Bash at the Beach episode. We get the cruise ship episode. And we get a special episode here with uh, the 30th anniversary of Chris Jericho. And I thought just giving it that extra special effort, giving it the nice, uh, you know, bumpers with the uh, celebrity guest just made it feel like a more entertaining show and made it have more energy and keep my attention, even when I wasn't super high on the wrestling outside of like the one match. So that's what I liked about it. And, and also, you know, some exciting and some newsworthy appearances in the little video messages. So. I guess this is when I can address the video messages. Uh, I, I'm going to do a pushback later to your thing about everything being special, Nate, in my delete, but I'm going to save it for then. Ooh. But what a tease. Th- but the thing I like the idea of like one, just like the smorgasbord of people that they had on for this, like sending like video messages is just like it's a very Jericho group of people. Like the only thing that I guess I would have even fit Jericho more sadly would have been if don jr was sending a video like that would have been the only thing I'm like yep nope that that all crosses but like the idea of doing this in a way and they did it in a way and they've done this so far where they make these things feel important they make it seem like oh wait this is such a big deal and they started it with like the uh, road to earlier in the week and then just like all the build up and like putting things in context and it's something that for weekly television and weekly wrestling so much you can get into like a slog with the thing because it's just going to be weekly show weekly show weekly show but it's nice to have these like little pit stops these little detours every once in a while and how the detours matter and this was a detour that definitely felt like it mattered from when it started to having messages from the, the most important person on the show of course ultimo dragon and then also to the end where they like made into this whole entire thing that was that Jericho being Jericho, he did everything about it. Having the Saturday night live sell credits on the episode. It, it, it was a nice detour and had a, a nice like overall vibe for an episode that, you know, had a lot of things happen. Like everything happened last night. And I think that having Jericho is the 30th kind of as like the couching and the touch point made it a very interesting episode of the show. Yeah. On the, on light, our previous show we do on the Patreon, I was, uh, pretty concerned that the card kind of sucked ass. And I think I said right before the show started that the card sucked ass. And uh, yet it was uh, quite a good show. So I guess they showed me. But yeah, it's probably mostly what you talked about, Nate. Although I think I might have liked the the in-ring more than you did. So I guess we'll find out about that. Uh, Mike, your Elite pick. What was your favorite thing on the show? Uh, and Is it going to be Ultimo Dragon? Well, I mean, I already said that he's the most important person there. <laughs> okay, I mean, we right. could talk. I, 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 I was recording some audio earlier saying uh, with Case Love and the Voice Gate where we're talking about like Ultimo did this video the same day where he had the all-time greatest sell of a low blow, like sold it like death and then was carried to the back. It was not seen again for the rest of the of the show that they had. Like when I and it was a bad low blow. It was like it was like I'm doing like the the, the gesture of like the two two legs. It was like uh, and he sold it like death. But that's not. That, <laughs> oh, oh no! It, it was like an all-time great sell, and he, he, you know, I mean, Ultimo is such a powerful figure that he was able to put his mask on, wear a fetching jacket, and be able to wish his pareja a good part, a good thirtieth anniversary. So really good that, that Mike did the descriptive audio for the the pose of the two legs. Yeah, but they did not, did not, yeah. did not explain the level itself and just said, "Oh, it, it was, uh, it, it, it was." Uh. But uh, I mean, like it was that it was like that level of a strength. If you imagine a kick low of uh, uh like that, so imagine but no, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> but no, um, my favorite thing of the show is actually the opener, the FTW title match between Brian Cage and Will Hobbs. I thought that this was something that for Will Hobbs, this was a true test for him and being able to match that main with, with Brian Cage. Like Brian Cage has one kind of match and you either are able to do that kind of match or it just kind of falls apart. But I felt like that Will Hobbs looked really good in this match and it was like a big important test because he's someone that's either been in squash matches one way one side of the squash or the other or he's been in segments where it was been like hey this will hobbs guy willpower he's going to be a star and then we had like this match and we're like oh yeah no will hobbs is a star and he carried himself like a star and i really enjoyed that and you know it's gonna it's gonna be really cool to like kind of follow because this isn't a case like uh uh sammy guevara or darby allen or the people that called the four pillars before, but it, it, it's something where like you're seeing someone completely out of obscurity become someone on national TV. And it's, it's going to be a interesting kind of trip to that. But I thought that that match, and then, you know, following up with more of the uh, team FTW versus Darby and Will Hobbs was a pretty interesting way to continue. Mike, I'm glad you picked this uh, because you warned me that you were going to push, push back against my pick. So I'm going to push back against your pick. But I was going to anyway. Um, I I kind of felt like it was too soon to do this with Will Hobbs. I kind of felt like we barely know him on the main show of Dynamite. He, you know, did the one run in, the one save to John Moxley, basically. Now, granted, he was supposed to have more appearances in the interim. He was supposed to have a big six-man tag. Maybe that's where we would have had some of the, uh, you know, uh, second act of this story or whatever. But... It, it just felt like Will Hobbs came out of nowhere. I think we saw him get squashed by Darby Allen, uh, like relatively recently on this show. And then he came out here and did like a blow away match with, uh, you know, near top guy who has a title and Will Hobbs just kicked out of all of his shit over and over again. It kind of felt like it was too soon for that. And we didn't get, it just, it, it made it feel kind of fabricated. It, it made it feel like the, you know, the uh, the beats of the match were booked instead of happening organically in some way. And I was kind of it, it just kind of pushed me away from really buying into the idea that, oh, yeah, Will, Will Hobbs is being positioned here as a top guy. It feels like, you know, he was written in to be a top guy on their piece of paper instead of him having some sort of natural progression or, or, or explanation for getting there. Uh, the the explanation is that, or his the natural progression is that he threw all the people out in the battle royal, and then he came out and kicked some people's ass in like run-ins. Yeah, that's not really convincing to me. The battle royal is like, oh yeah, this is where he's making his first impact, and it sort of computes logically because he's a larger guy than all the other people in the battle royal. But this is like he came out against a guy who's the same size as him, and just like kicked out of all this shit yeah that's how you get somebody over though yeah i didn't buy it just it was, just just felt too soon felt too phony and this is that tw title i mean this isn't something that is tied into the rankings it's something that taz wanted his guy to beat up the guy that's been butting into their business so it's totally fine in my mind at least with how they justify things booking wise that someone that just got in their business and he's like guess what we're fighting now ftw rules and guess what we'll put the title on the line so like i feel like it's you can justify it in the way of like this isn't like him him suddenly yeah, jumping no, it into doesn't the bother me that he, that he got a challenge like he was like that he was 
too low to get a challenge because he's not in the rankings or whatever. Just felt like, I don't know, just felt like an indie match where it's like, oh, we're going to go out and have a blow away 60-minute match, and you're going to kick out of a Stone Cold Stunner and a cutter and a shooting star press um, instead of like that following logically from where I was at with Will Hobbs. Again, not a habitual dark viewer, so I'm just seeing him from basically that John Moxley run in and his battle Royal appearance. And then he like, he's out here going 50, 50 with Brian cage and not even like 50, 50, but like 50, 50 in the WrestleMania main event with Brian cage. I don't know. I liked it, but I am a habitual dark viewer and I am somebody who is like in on Will Hobbs. So uh, that could be part of it, but I mean, certainly it would have been better if you had that six man where he could kind of get some shine in that and, you know, you kind of obviously, well, I don't know, maybe he would have taken the fall on that. I'm not sure who would have taken the fall, but regardless, yeah, it might have helped set that up a little better. But I don't know, it didn't bother me, it didn't occur to me uh, while watching it. Um, my elite pick is going to be, uh, I've at times criticized some of John Moxley's promos because I think he doesn't always live up to his um, reputation as a promo. But by God, this video promo that he did on this show was uh, one of the better promos I can remember in the promotion. And I have a very bad memory, so that really doesn't mean anything. But when you say it that way, it makes it sound even more impressive. So I just like to really build up my own pick. Uh, But it's like, I even made a complaint a few weeks. Well, a complaint where I made fun of myself for being dumb of like, okay, now Mox is moving on to the next guy and he's going to, Say, oh, you're not going to beat me. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what your babyface does on your on your pro wrestling program. Uh, but he took like that where you can kind of just do the same old promo every week. And he did this like really compelling promo where he tied in their history, which was nice. And then he tied in Lance Archer's, uh, you know, catchphrase to it and just really encapsulated the Mox character, I thought. I think this was like the best promo he's done that really was like a fully formed character. So I just loved it. Really good stuff. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Uh, And also really great for being a relatively simple promo. It wasn't like super high concept. It was like pretty straightforward. But like you said, it hit all those beats. Um, But I do. I think it's been a long time since he had like a flat promo. I think he had like maybe one in the COVID era, like two months ago, but he's had more good ones than bad ones, certainly and by a wide margin. Uh, that Darby, that match, that promo we cut before the Darby match was also really good about how, you know, I know you're crazy, but I'm going to, you know, uh, I, and you should just stay down, but I know you're not going to, cause I was like you. Um, also the, just the, he shot it in this bar, sitting at a bar drinking, which like was fits right in with the vignette he had for new Japan where he was sitting at the bar before he appeared there. So that tied in well. Um, do want to the that they finally referenced the Moxley and Archer feud from Wrestle Kingdom and from New Japan uh, is is only interesting because they hadn't for at all up to this point, um, which I thought always thought was strange. I'm like, well, maybe they don't want to give the idea that this is you know not a first time ever match. Maybe that's just not useful to them to remind people that uh, John Moxley just took a belt from Lance Archer, which, you know, seems like it'd be a motivating factor. Uh, 
And I only want to bring this up because Dave Meltzer claimed on his show that they've been doing that from the beginning and they just simply have not. It just has not been part of the story until this episode. She's like, okay, that is a great thing you can lean on for your story. Uh, you know, you could have done it three or four weeks ago and just given you some more uh, juice to it. But, you know, it seems like that was otherwise motivated. So who knows? Let's do Forbidden Door Discourse. Let's do it. Hey, the crowd uh, goes wild. <laughs> Oh, I can hear the chanting. I hear oh. chants of Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door. Mike has muted and is now drinking a Diet Coke. It's so, it's so funny that the Forbidden Door is from a mistranslation of Tanahashi. And then... Oh, sorry. Diet Pepsi. I didn't mean to impugn you, Mike. Chris, Chris Jericho read the mistranslation and started saying Forbidden Door in English. So now that's the... <laughs> this is what happened. This is why language is interesting and like loan words are interesting because... The original intent of whatever phrase Tanahashi said had nothing to do with Forbidden Door, but now it means that both here and in Japanese. Yeah. I don't think I knew that it was a it was a mistranslation. Yeah, when whenever Tanahashi said it, uh, and then like people did their shitty Google translates of it or whatever. Uh, I think uh, Chris Charl I think Chris Charlton did a tweet that's like, oh, it doesn't actually it doesn't actually mean that, guys. Like that's that's not those aren't the words or whatever. And he he gave a you know, more detailed explanation of what it was. <laughs> but yeah, by that point. You know, Chris Jericho saw some article on Wrestling Inc. or whatever the fuck. And he's like, ooh, Forbidden Door. What a turn of phrase. Hey, 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 hey. He saw this <laughs> at the Web of Jericho. That's probably where he saw <laughs> That's right, it. Yeah. Web is Jericho. The web is Jericho, webmaster. He's quick on the draw. He always has James a nice Ryder. slant on things. Yeah. What, why yeah. to James Ryder? Why here's, to James Ryder? Here's my, here's my Forbidden Door take, okay? I just, I got to get it out there. We have to talk about it. I don't think any of this shit matters. Like, Hiroshi Tanahashi doing a video on this show. It's like he's buddies with Jericho. It's like yeah. Okada showing up at All In. You know, it's like mm -hmm. they're buddies. And so they, I mean, it's a little different because they're uh, like, yeah, I don't think that, those are comparable. Well, but yeah, you know what no. I mean? Different <laughs> relationship <laughs> levels there, buddy. Yeah, yeah they had, you, yeah. It was like they had the New Japan logo in the arena. Right. But you can talk your friends into doing things sometimes, you know. But sure. to me, it is interesting that not only is this the first time they've ever talked about this, but that they actually clearly did some sort of deal uh tm court bauer uh with new japan because they used their footage and put you know courtesy of new japan up top so i think i don't think anytime soon that like you know kenta is is walking through that door but i do think that tells us that there's some sort of relationship uh, and maybe it never becomes anything but it is kind of fun yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think we've always known that there's, there's had to have been some open line of communication because we did just have that Jericho and Tanahashi match where he came out with the AEW belt and was like, hey, if you beat me, you can challenge me for this. Uh, and, you know, that back in the past when international travel existed, uh, you know, they also had to coordinate things for John Moxley going back and forth from Japan and shit. Um, but no, I, I don't think this is any sort of indication that they worked out any sort of deal. Like Harold May is still the guy in charge there. He, like he, he doesn't step down for another however many weeks. Um, but it, it felt like a deliberate thing on AEW's part to be like, you know, maybe we don't have a great relationship with New Japan right now, but we want to signal in some way that we're like defrosting a little bit. You know, we're not going to shy away from it now as much as we did a week ago. And that that's like self-evident just in, they never mentioned these guys disputed over a belt, and now they bothered to mention it, and they went to the trouble to get pictures from New Japan for it. If nothing else, that shows a difference in thought between those two things. I I think that's all fair, but 
I, I mean, the reason why like I went mute, rolled my eyes, and drank my refreshing Diet Pepsi, Aaron, not Diet Coke. This is not a Coke household. Uh, Sumi Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it it's something that like it's going to be a very complicated situation, like for anything to really ever progress, other than being dethawing and being like, hey, uh, no, we fought before, and you said every everybody dies. Maybe I die. Maybe I don't like that's maybe i did this match maybe i don't with tying back to the moxley thing it just like i wonder if they weren't already doing the stuff where jericho had this video from hiroshi tanahashi if they would actually would have done this and like that's why i don't even say like full pump the brakes on it at all i'm just like i'm a big context person and i feel like that like there's a lot of things going on there's a lot of moving parts and do i think that there's always been a line of communication yeah like how nate said just for like coordinating things and being given the clearance to have Jericho bring their title belt out. Like, that's just natural. And I, I guess, like, the thing I, like, I immediately push back on, and it's just something that, like, luckily I don't weigh too far in this discourse, but I've seen enough of it for me just to be completely turned off by the con- concept of forbidden door talk is the idea that these two have to work together, that it, New Japan needs AEW and vice versa. I feel like we've seen over the past 12 months that both of them are doing better than you would expect with a part. And if it's something where they can have some sort of complimentary relationship where it just sees like that you're, it's not like completely frigid, then, you know, I'm totally fine because it is something that they've noticeably ignored for the last 52 weeks of TV. And now they suddenly bring it up and they could have used this to build up the, uh, the uh, Moxley and Archer match. And just to get back a little bit towards the, uh, the uh, Aaron's elite pick. Yeah, no, that it was, I felt like other than the, stay down promo he did about Darby. This is one of his best promos he's done in the company. And I thought that it was really cool and really well done and done in the flippant Moxley way. That wasn't just overly just jokey, but did it in a way that's like, yeah, I'm at the bar. You might be able to take me out, but as you say, everybody dies. So you might die and then take the shot and just end the, the segment there. But yeah, that, that's yeah. my only, that's my only take I will ever have about forbidden door. All right, we're going to hold Mike to that. I'm going back to it in a minute. First, I do want to uh, put over Moxley some more. Absolutely the best promo of the COVID era. Uh, I don't think it's close. I don't think there's another guy in the conversation for who's been best on promos in pro wrestling. There's, I mean, like Juice Robinson's really good, but just in terms of quantity, he doesn't get the chance to do this many big match promos like John Moxley does. Uh, but yeah, just like what a what a great top babyface for your company to have like how could you ever miss on this guy it's boggles the mind of course we've been over this a million times but incomprehensible how you could miss on john moxley who can go out here cut a badass promo look like you know the coolest guy in the room uh be totally flippant and, and throwing it off like mike said but also like putting importance in your world title match, which is what you want at the same time. And then going out there and having great matches all the time, like with people like MJF, like pretty remarkable, great champion. Um, I had one other point on the forbidden door. Fuck. Oh uh, yeah. On the point of, you know, whether either company needs it, I think we're all in agreement that neither company does need it anymore. Uh, And a large Part of that is like AEW kind of just ate New Japan's lunch in terms of expanding to the to the United States. But, you know, New Japan's ceiling for expanding to the United States is pretty limited because they were never going to be a primetime American style pro wrestling show like AEW is like they're just never they were never going to be on TNT having people come out and do promos like this and do 
you know, skits and angles and stuff. That's just not what New Japan is. Uh, and I'm sure what people don't want New Japan to be. So, yeah, absolutely no need on either side for it. But it would it, it's fun, I think, uh, just because interpromotional stuff is always fun. It, there's never a time when it's not fun. I, okay, I'm sorry. New Japan and Ring of Honor, not that fun. Uh, Major League interpromotional stuff is always fun. Um, and, yeah, it would also make people mad in a fun way. So that's all. That's my biggest take is that it would make people so mad, and so that would make me laugh. But I guess it really depends on what their interest is in expansion because I, I, apparently this is controversial, but like their last tour was a total and complete fucking failure uh, in the United States. So, oh, I can't talk. I was I was going to have a take on that, but that's the that that's uh, you go, no no no. Why you never bar yourself from uh, from getting right. your takes out? I, I mean. It helps me in a lot of ways. It yeah. helps me for myself. So, yeah, no. Anyways, no. I'm just nodding and smiling. Okay. But, yeah, it was a huge failure. So, if they want to, like, actually do big-time tours, uh, well, first of all, you know, bring your stars over. But second of all, uh, you might – maybe maybe the Ring of Honor partnership was more important to them than, than a lot of people pretended at the time. Uh, they were there – I mean, I understand that Ring of Honor got hot in part because of the New Japan talent they were able to feature, but – Ring of Honor was super hot. And when that was true, New Japan did well in America. And when Ring of Honor was cold as fuck, New Japan, uh, the tour drew like crap. So I just don't think there's any doubt that if they want to have big hot shows in America regularly, uh, they're going to have to be teamed with a hot American promotion. Yeah, it's just like they would need TV and they have no TV now. Uh, you know, kind of through no fault of their own because nobody can account for the fucking <laughs> yeah. insane moves that the TNA people make. So, you know, hard to fault them there. Uh, but yeah, you know, how are you going to promote a uh, promotion and run shows when you don't have TV and you probably don't want to bring all your talent over here because this is this country's a death trap. So, yeah, they're they're kind of in a, a, a tough spot on that point. And, and yeah, just their potential is capped because they're never going to be American pro wrestling. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it was just, uh, I think forbidden door, people want to see a big show. People want to see a big interpromotional show because dream matches are fun and you don't get those, those situations in other contexts. And while you might be right that that's capped, you know, what isn't capped the money you can win at my bookie head on over. There is a cap though on your deposit match, but it is a hundred percent capped at a thousand dollars. So you go over there, you deposit a hundred bucks, you put in the promo code elite when you do it. You'll get a hundred bucks for free, uh, all the way up to a thousand dollars. You can get a thousand bucks for free if you deposit that. There's tons of stuff going on. Well, by the time you hear this, the NBA Finals might be over, but the NFL uh, continues on. Major League Baseball playoffs, UFC. You know, there's lots of stuff going on. College football. Uh, I will say, bad week for the for your old for your old pal AB. Zero uh, and three on the college football this past week. The good news about me going 0-3 was it was all my free play money that I got from doubling my deposit. So I'm still up uh, overall. So that's why you got to use the code and, and get the uh, the deposit match. What about you, Mike? You, I know you had a decent I had, weekend. I Decent and uh, you know the thing that if you talk to people who gamble a lot, if they do not do well, they say they break even. Like as the things like, oh, how'd you do? I, I broke even. I did. I actually literally broke even. I was like five and five with my my bets. Sadly, uh, some of my uh, more elaborate bets were completely just off base. But, you, you know, I, I mainly stick to college football, though. But you can do a lot more than that on my bookie. They have contests going all the time. I'm still in live 
and the $50,000 survivor contest. So, you know, it's not all, it's not all bad things. And then of course, like that you could, there's a lot of things that you can bet on my bookie. They do international hockey. They do esports. They do rugby. They do F1. And you know, you know how I like to bet on F1 AB. And there's always something, if you're looking for something in a sports book, you can go and find it at my bookie. Yeah. Just make sure when you do it, you add that promo code elite, E-L-I-T-E. If you listen to the show this long, presumably you know how to spell elite, I would think. But if you put that little code in, you'll get double your first deposit up to $1,000. Um, and basically, I mean, it's literally free money. You just got to bet it. And then you can, uh, if you, you win, yeah, you can take it out. So head on over, my bookie, uh, and use your promo code elite. So the Clemson game this weekend, Mike? Yes, sir. Miami at last check was 15 and a half point underdogs, mm. which mm. I was able on my bookie to get in on them at 16 and a half point underdogs. So what if I should make this the last stand of my Miami Hurricanes fandom and just like go in on that bet? And if they win, then, you know, we're good as gold in more ways than one. There Tempting. I, I don't bet on my team. I just I can't. If I lose my bet and they lose, that's just like too much for me to handle. Mm. Um, Emotionally, you're not equipped for it. Yeah, and what's even worse is like um, if they if they win the game and I lose the bet, like they're you know say they're favorites but they don't cover. I'm like yeah. motherfucker, and it just like dulls my dulls my high, you know. So I yeah, really I, I I wouldn't do it except when they're underdogs here, because then mm. it's like that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Is that tomorrow? I mean, Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. It's ABC. Well, Nate, actually, it depends on when you're listening to the show. Can you break that down for me? Yeah, so if you're listening to this on Friday, it actually is tomorrow. Well, if you're listening to this on Friday, October 9, it actually is tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen to this on Friday, October 16, it actually happened uh, six days uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Do we have a 2021 game scheduled with Clemson? Because <laughs> this could this could still be tomorrow if you're listening. It could Friday. be Evergreen. This yeah. could be Evergreen. Uh, <laughs> a future so, Friday of unknown date. So I was able to. I I, I have, do you want to hear some some of the things I have going on this game here before we move on? Sure. Sure. All right. So I don't I, only have Miami at minus 14 at plus 14. I don't only have the under. I have both a parlay of that. And also a teaser where it's Miami plus 20, but then also the under is uh, 90 or 69 and a half. So nice. I'm having fun here. It's a good time. All right. Well, let's let's delete some things again. I thought it was a, a quite a good episode. So I had a hard time coming up with with things I didn't like. Uh, but Nate, uh, I can always count on you to come up with something you didn't like. So uh, hit me with it. Seems uh, kind of <laughs> hurtful. <laughs> uh, actually i think you're probably usually the most positive person on the uh, you know related to AEW. yeah well I, I generally i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do something i have to do and have a uh, i guess that's not true i'm not gonna have a bad time if i can avoid it but i was gonna say you know i do go to work every day and hate it so sure um the ftr and th2 match don't really need to say more i don't think yeah not not, not a solid match i mean it was one of the better things that they, that FTR has done, but you know, it's again the square peg in the circle hole. It's funny because this was my favorite FTR straight tag match in really? the his- since they've been here. No, yeah, I mean it wasn't as good as the private party one. Uh, I, 
okay, I, I'd like to refer back to my previous statement about how I really can't remember anything. Um, tr- I guess, yeah, that do, match was do, good. Do you remember what the, the best American wrestling pay-per-view of all time was? Uh, yes, it was the first, what was it called? Double or nothing? Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah, okay, just had to check on that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah, that was good. That was probably better, actually, yeah, now that, that I think better. about it. But this, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, if they're going to do that thing they claim to do, they like worked on Jack's leg for a long time, and yeah. that was that was good. Uh, but then, like, not only did Jack have the big botch, but you know, it's Jack. He completely just forgot about the leg at some point and just moved on with his life. So it's like, well, uh, I can't yeah. really blame that on FTR, but it did, you know, bring the match down. I do. I, you know, there is a caveat. There is an asterisk on my deletion, and that I just enjoy watching Jack. You know, Jack has the big botch and uh, just still comes back and does three more crazy bumps or whatever, just because. That's who he is. Um, so, Jack. but yeah, uh, uh, the I think this also uh, was not helped by the sound of the crowd. This just hit the lull on the show for whatever reason, and we got some good crowd reactions later on the show, um, or maybe it was earlier on the show. I don't remember. But throughout the show, throughout the throughout show. the show, there were some good crowd reactions, uh, which makes this one stand out a little more that it didn't have that same buy-in. All right, Mike, uh, your pick for delete of the week. Right. So this is why I'm pushing back on Nate having this episode being pretty special. I think that it's good to have an episode and have special episodes. But having this as completely focused around Jericho when they are now, after the show, they now have four weeks to build up a pay-per-view. Four weeks. And instead, they had all the stuff around Jericho that they kind of spun their wheels like, okay, now Cody's back as TNT champion. We can't really like do anything with Moxley until this title match happens when we could have had this title match at the pay-per-view because it's four weeks away and they're still building it. And then the only thing we know for this pay-per-view that's in four weeks is that there's going to be a finals to see who's the next uh, AEW Men's World Championship challenger. And it's something that, for me, it's incredibly frustrating because like you look at how they were doing stuff last year. We were already pretty much neck deep in, all right, Jericho versus Cody build. They, we knew that they were going to have Moxley and uh, and Omega. Like we were already having stuff built up towards it that you could already see the endpoint. I can't tell you what the endpoint's going to be with anything in the tag team division. Do we think that FTR is going to retain next week and then go up against the Bucks at full gear? I couldn't tell you. Uh, TNT title, who knows? Uh, Hikaru Shida has done absolutely nothing, so we don't know the status of the women's division. And when you're less than a month out for your pay per view, because the pay per view it was. One calendar month from yesterday. And we still have only one tentative match on the pay-per-view. And I think that's a bad use of the time to do a Jericho 30th anniversary thing when you have something that you're going to ask people to give a lot of money for to order the pay-per-view. And I feel like that that is something that I find myself getting more and more frustrated. Like, there was no character beats on this episode. You know how I like my beats. Did not happen whatsoever. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. There's, I think that's just the other the other side of the coin with doing... TV episodes and trying to make them special is you all that also requires you to pay off things at TV episodes. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing slab packs from Arena Club. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each 
one. Now, when I buy slap packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Rather than building everything to pay off at a pay-per-view, but uh, I will take a pedantic uh, objection to blaming that on this episode of the television. I think the real blame for that is the next week's episode of the television because I think you have to get past that anniversary show and all those title matches before they really want to get into the build for the pay-per-view. So so then you have three weeks. Right. But I mean, they're, obvi- they're obviously building to the anniversary show now. So the anniversary show is the show to blame, not this show. Yeah, there's like this real um, tension between like whether this is a traditional wrestling company that builds to pay-per-views 
or whether it's a 2020s wrestling company that its major uh, primary driver of income is the TV. So you put everything there. It's like, it's almost that they are held down by the history of pro wrestling, right? Like everybody expects you to build to a pay-per-view and, but you wonder at some point it's like, well, okay, you need to have the pay-per-views because, you know, it's an extra, extra monetary uh, or income stream, but you're going to make way more money if you can come out of this deal with Turner and get a bigger deal next time around. So I don't know what the, what the proper thing is. I guess my question is if AEW, if pro wrestling had not existed before, uh, would AEW do pay-per-views or do they just do pay-per-views because that's what wrestling companies do? So yeah, you're attributing it to uh, like the history of wrestling companies, but really it's what the art of wrestling is, is the art of fight promotion. That's what people tune into pro wrestling to get is like an analog for fight promotion. And what we all have is the ideal, uh, you know, best expression of that is, the big fight feel of like a Floyd Mayweather and the MGM Grand and just that exciting feel that you don't get in any other situation, right? Where it's like, oh, this is live. This is real. This is where it all comes to a head. This is, you know, the payoff where everything's on the line. Like that's what that's what pro wrestling is meant to imitate. Like it's called it's called a wrestling promotion because they promote wrestling matches. And the, you're right. There's a tension between making the television a serialized show that's fun to watch on a week-to-week basis and still doing builds of some kind that lead to big payoffs at the quarterly events or whatever because that's what we want to get excited for like part of the wrestling fandom is just we want to buy into the hype and get into the story and be pulled along in the story until the big show when it all comes to a head and pays off and i guess they're just trying to do both at the same time right now and They've succeeded at some times and they've not succeeded at other times. There's been pay-per-view matches that haven't felt like pay-per-view matches. And there's been television matches that feel like they should have been on pay-per-views. Um, but I think the former of those is more of a problem than the latter. It's okay to do big matches on the television from time to time. The problem is when you also when you pair that with just doing nothing matches on the pay-per-view or doing poor builds for matches on the pay-per-view, then it's like, well, why am I why am I paying my money? Yeah, because I mean they charge fifty dollars for these things, so it's like you really got to give me something to sink my teeth into to get me to pay that. And it's fifty dollars, and it still is, even though like we're in the TV rights era, for them that's a significant amount of money still, like they're getting what I've what I've led to believe to be half of that. So I mean they're getting twenty five dollars from each person. If you have about a hundred thousand buys, that is uh, two and a half million dollars per pay per view. So it's not like a small ask here and you should be incentivized to find some balance of maintaining your tv partner's happiness but also feel like the thing of all right if we're going to sell the show as a pay-per-view make it be something that we could get the maximize our profits out of this and that's why i wonder all right where oh i guess wait where are we it's my turn right yeah we're on you yeah that's where i always the memory thing also short-term memory and i'm trying to worry about you a little bit (laughs) brain bad folks um uh, let's see. Am I going to do it? I think I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to delete the whole fucking Cody thing. I'm I'm mad about All it. All right, let's go. Let, 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 go off, King. Do, do, do you want to the take copter this time? <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I I'll, do. I'll, I'll pilot this time. Here's the bullhorn. Just stick your head out the window and and speak your truth. 
Thank you. I really appreciate your loaning me the take copter uh, and even piloting it for me. That's that's really, you're really a good guy. Um, so here's my thing. I don't care if Cody wins the title. Don't care about that at all. Uh, Brody is whatever. It's probably not going to be like your, your world champion. You really don't have to protect him in any real way. So that's no big deal. Here's what I fucking hate about this. Cody gets destroyed in like three minutes and leaves and is off of television for like six weeks. He comes back and the first thing he does is get a rematch where he has a dog collar match where not just the two guys in the ring, but one of the guys who's just outside the ring, all fucking blade. All of them get bloody as shit. And so it's like this match where you would think that these two, you would think this was Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair, right? And they had hated each other for three years. And finally they came together and they had this big violent blow off. But no, it's a dude who wasn't around for six weeks, came back with black hair and gets to do this like cosplay match that he saw happen <laughs> in fucking Dallas in 83 and thinks, oh, I should do that. Cody, here's the thing. I mean, I don't know. Cody probably already goes to therapy. I don't have to tell him to do it, but he needs to. And second, stop enabling Cody. Stop it, Tony Khan. Stop enabling him. Start doing (laughs) things that make sense for your pro wrestling show. And this doesn't make any sense. This match was so good. I loved this match. It was great. It would have been really great in four weeks at full gear when they hated the shit out of each other for four weeks. Built towards a pay-per-view. He didn't do that, and I'm just, I'm so mad about it. Where, Where is the arc between Cody getting his ass kicked, disappearing, we get no explanation, but then he comes back and he's better than ever. Like, that, the, the interceding period between now and the pay-per-view is perfect time to do, here's Cody struggling to improve himself so he can get revenge and get his title back. Like, then you have an arc to buy into. I, I cannot get as passionate about it as you are, because... <laughs> It, it like mostly worked. You you got the biggest crowd reaction on this show of Cody getting his big wins and the and like being emotional about it. And the fans were suddenly super audible. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. The AEW fans love Cody and they want to see their favorite guy win and have his triumphant moment and get emotional about his dad. Like they fucking live for that shit. Um, so I, you know, I, I it's hard for me to come down too hard on it. Um, but yeah, it felt, this felt less like uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair having a long, drawn-out feud and paying it off in a big way, or even Roddy Piper and Greg the Hammer Valentine, who was there. They flew this old man in at great risk to his personal health so he could sit there and no-sell the match, and they cut to him immediately after the match was over and just, like, seemed totally nonplussed and uh, disinterested. That's not... Nobody needs that. We don't need all these old guys on our television. Um but yeah, it, did, it felt it didn't feel like those. It felt like uh, Hulk Hogan needs to go shoot an episode of Baywatch, so he's going to lose the belt uh, to somebody for a cup of coffee, disappear, and then come back and win it back right away. Which is like, yeah, that's pro wrestling too, but it's not as interesting. And well, like I again the caveat that I love the match. It's I I've been saying for a while that Brody Lee is the most uh, wasted person in the last 10 years in WWE. And, I mean, he ruled in this, and Cody upheld his end of the deal, too. But, 
like when you like think about this and like the idea that this title is basically all that with how they've unless they're going to renege on Cody's stipulation from last year that this title is pretty much all he's going to do so it's like what's going to happen when the next person drops the title when he drops the title of the next person is it going to be like three weeks later Cody gets the title rematch and takes back his title and that's something that does not it I don't find that's going to be uh interesting periodic wrestling like one of the reasons why the IWGP Intercontinental title, not talking about Frozen Door. No, not talking about Forbidden Door, talking about the style. Frozen just, Door. <laughs> Frozen Door, there we go. That's what Tana said. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's the reason why that works is because they have so many other things to build, they have building on, and you only have to do so many title defenses in a while. So like you could have someone take the belt and disappear and fuck off, and then whenever they wanted to have the Nakamura rematch, they get the Nakamura rematch. You don't have that here because we, as we've seen through on TV, they have to have title matches every week and not save things for the pay-per-view. Like the, the whole idea of saving things for pay-per-view is completely devoid as of late. Yeah. I mean, it is the TNT title, so it, it's, it's fine being a television title, but yeah, it's just, you know, I, uh, I, I find a, a longer build, more of a character arc, more interesting than just, he comes back and wins it right away. I've, but it, it's really hard to stand in criticism of it too much. Cause it's like, this is what they would do with Nakamura is he'd lose it to somebody else for one tour cycle and then just win it right back right, right away again. This is what they would do with John Cena is he'd lose it to the monster of the month occasionally and just win it right back again. It's like, it's not really different than how booking a top baby face is supposed to go, but it's just, we want to hear Cody loves talking about playing his music. We want to hear the, the, the music in between the fucking, chorus we want to hear the verse and the bridge and the breakdown and then the pre-chorus and then the chorus yeah that's the thing is like it it could have been it did get a good reaction it could have been better it could have been more emotional uh and instead what we have to get is like cody doing a promo where he responds to like random shit on twitter or whatever what was, yeah it's talking about people thought i should like who are you listening to that said you should do a heel turn where did that you were listening to the wrong people yeah cody that Listen. is what I that is what I worry about a lot with a lot of these guys. Who are you listening to? Because that's not correct. No, they're listening to to dumb people. Uh, so that's bad. But luckily, they're still listening to some of the right people because uh, Gamer Miro carries on. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the ratings. And I think this is definitely one of those weeks where the total viewer metric is not helpful in any real way. And uh, you'll see that as we talk about it here, AEW, a big drop in total viewers, almost or a little over 100,000 viewers, 866 to 753. Uh, NXT saw a similar drop in overall viewers. But the the real story is in the demos where AEW had a slight drop to a 0.31, uh, which pushed them down to 19th in the demo. And that's because you know TV was overrun with uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs. And then, of course, the vice presidential debate, which did... 50 million viewers. So a lot of people watching that. Uh, NXT, for their part, had a, a small 0 0.03 drop in the demo down to 56th uh, overall. So just a big night for lots of other stuff. Yeah. And like looking at it in comparison and comparing it to like last week, uh, AEW was the only non-sports, non-news thing in a cable top 25. So that's a little thing to hang your hat on that you were able to not completely crater like other programming did. And because of all the things, it does seem like that 
both AEW and XT lost proportionally about the same. It's a little bit less of a drop because for AEW since they had more viewers to begin with, and they lost 0.02 in the demo versus 0.03. So it, you know, I mean, this isn't like a great rating, but this is a rating that I feel like everyone saw happening. And I mean, they still are almost doubled up on the demo with NXT. So for whatever people who even really care about these two as point of comparison, what I thought was kind of interesting though, like looking at the sub demos was AEW stayed res- remarkably resilient with uh, people from the age of 12 to 34, even, and even more so in women. It stayed, it stayed even last week in women between the ages of 12, to 34, and only down a one hundredth of a point in men. And I find that kind of interesting because the biggest loss was P50s, people above the age of 50. So I don't know if that tells us more about the status of baseball or the youths. Uh, I say the youths, even though I'm still technically still in this demo, but like the younger uh, quarter of the demo and how little they care about the election and they were just keeping on in a way. And I, feel that's, I think that's kind of interesting. So that, and that kind of goes against a little bit about the idea about how folks th- thought that AEW was more uh, events, uh, event sensitive than than nxc because they seemed like that at least one of their stronger quadrants stayed the exact same yeah so i want to hit these stats real quick um because i promised uh blackpink's the album fifth day atop worldwide apple music so you got to put that in your spreadsheets and a sixth day atop worldwide itunes charts um so that was that was all i could come up with to get a third mention in here uh valiant effort there thank you all right Let's get into the show. Week 53. Don't listen to the propaganda about next week being the anniversary. It's not. It's a brand new spreadsheet. I started a new spreadsheet last week. That's right. Uh, we start out with uh, some some videos of the locker room talking uh, remarkably earnestly about Chris Jericho. Very little uh, in character here. Uh, we see Taz and Ricky Starks are going to be on commentary for the first match. So we got a, what, a six-man or no, a five-man booth here. Which that's that's what you need. Even though Taz and Ricky are great on dark on commentary. Yeah, yeah. Just like they cannot even fit the table at this point. Like though that does no. mean we got to see Ricky's great fit they had on. Ricky yeah. was stripping last night. FTW title. Brian Cage defeated Will Hobbs uh, with the drill claw. I, my one other take on this match: Will Hobbs. Yes, he got gassed, but it's also like his first big match ever. Brian Cage being like very noticeably gassed is embarrassing for him. Uh, so, you know, get your shit together, Brian. Stop, you know, you're doing too many curls. Not enough uh, cardio. That's what I'm saying. And with a guy with a body like mine, I'm allowed to make these. Uh, I'm allowed to make these comments. So thanks, Brian. Uh, after the match, Starks goes into the ring. Taz is on the mic, tells uh, he and Cage not to touch Will because he's impressed. Now they're going to give Will Hobbs an option you can either be part of Team Taz or get the living hell beat out of you right now. Darby's music hits, and he, uh, with a skateboard, somehow chases uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks off all by his lonesome and uh, protects his buddy. Because he's kicked their ass repeatedly, and he had a weapon. Makes perfect sense. But I did like that Cage and Starks didn't like run for the hills on them. They're just like, all right, we're just going to step out of the ropes casually. Not, not trying to do this right now. All right, then we started with the the videos uh, for Chris Jericho. For the first one, I didn't write down everybody. The first group was so funny that I started writing down everybody after this. But I do know that this group included Slash, Dennis Miller, 
and Hiroshi Tanahashi. The fourth was his dad, Chris Irvin. No, oh, that, Ted Irvin. Ted Irvin. That's right. That's right. Hockey legend. Uh, we got a Lance Archer video where he talked about his match with, uh, I almost fucking said Dean Ambrose, with John Moxley in Japan. Uh, and he says, you know, you've been messing around with Eddie Kingston and the Butcher, who are badasses, but they're not me. I like that he put them over there. Uh, he says, you didn't have enough time to prepare for me. It's not going to be pretty. I, I like this promo from him. I, I I found this promo a lot more compelling than the ones when he has Jake Roberts around. Yeah, just uh, exhibiting that Jake Roberts is unnecessary and adds very little, if anything, to the act. Yeah. We had the tag title match with FTR defeating TH2. Cash pinned Jack after a Dax Superplex X Cash Splash, which is what cash they should splash. call it, the Cash Splash. After the match, we see the Young Bucks backstage and they super kick the cameraman. Uh, we, we go back out to the ring and we see that FTR actually saw this happen on the big screen. Uh, then we see a little cartoon where FTR are in hot dog buns, folks. Uh, the best friends come out. Trent says, you guys get it, right? It's hot dogs, like wieners. I says, as comedy backyard wrestlers, what we're trying to say is you guys are weenies. I like them leaning on that. I like them just owning it. Like, yeah, we're fucking comedy backyard wrestlers, dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah assholes. This is what, what we are. And you notice that the crowd started to chant weenies. They did. Yeah, I mean, classic WWE shit. If you put a funny thing on the Titan Tron and then everybody chants along. Um, but yeah, it just it just works better for the best friends because they play it the right way. Like Trent is acknowledging that it's really fucking stupid when he's like, mm-hmm. do you guys get it? Do you guys get the joke? Um and yeah, best friends, I feel like keeping their momentum up here pretty well, still coming off that big parking lot brawl. I feel like you really uh, can capitalize this on this. Yeah, and Chuck says they walked by Tony Khan on the way out to the ring, and he told them that their title shot is going to be next week on the anniversary show. Uh, so the two of them go at it, or the four of them go at it. FTR bails out. Uh, best friends, get the belts, hold them up. Uh, you know, so it's your, your classic thing here and you know i say go all the way with best friends that's that's my thought that yeah it feels correct it's not what's going to happen i don't no, think no, they're going to lose no. for sure but yeah yes they are hotter than fdr by a wide march yes but i will give give aw credit for building best friends into like a super credible challenger here so oh, they, yeah they've made a good match mm-hmm. much more credible than the uh shot at greatness tag teams they've had Yes, I love that TH2 has like not been on TV and about well since the first show basically, and they come back and get a title show. Well, that's the that's the gimmick, right? It, you get a brush with greatness. Like you're not on this level, but we'll let you hang around um, with the caveat that we get the 20 minute advantage over you. Like that's the the gimmick that they're doing, right? But so, they, but they should do like a little FTR promo where they're like, "Ha ha, yeah, we're gonna have TH2 tonight or whatever," you know? Yeah, give us a little bit more. Yeah. It, for it the dumb people, like it sounds like you're asking for more FDR promos. Is that what no, I'm hearing? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Take it so back. Just, the, it, what you want is them to sit down in their urban outfitters ask gear and talk about how these people aren't worth it. That's what you're saying. Somehow have Jack Evans do the promo where he gets across that that's what <laughs> FDR is doing. That's my suggestion. Uh, it is interesting that, like, They've done this, but then the big thing is that this tag team match is not a brush of greatness match. It's under traditional rules. So I kind of like that, you know? Yeah, they get a a real shot because they're the actual number one contenders. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. No time or the one hour time limit. And I guess no tag ropes. It's weird. It's wild that like tag ropes are now a stipulation. I, I never think about tag ropes, but I was watching yeah. stardom this weekend and they like always have the tag ropes. And I was like, here you go, Dax, watch some real fucking wrestling, buddy. And they are good enough to be cute while they do it too. So <laughs> eat that. I, I mean, we talk about Dax Harwood, but we don't talk about the ring fairy NASA boy. Like she understands it. That's true. Uh, Aaron talks a lot about that spoil on his other podcast. That's fair. Just to be sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I could talk about how the best promotion in the world in 2020 has not used tag ropes for 20 years and it's been fine. But, you know, I, I think I think Aaron just said that Stardom uses tag ropes all the yeah, time. Yeah, I already said that. No, uh, as soon as they, they have someone uh, take off a mask and kick someone straight in the head and as a big gag and then have someone come out and rip off masks, then we'll talk. Yeah, Momo Watanabe does that on every show. Takes off her mask <laughs> that she wears out to the ring and then kicks somebody's head off. That happens literally every show. I'm not going to let you. This is a weird down. argument. This is a weird <laughs> argument. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's owning you by agreeing with you. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't like this. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, speaking of people I don't like, MJF had a video next. <laughs> uh, he talked about meeting Chris Jericho at the Double or Nothing after party. Uh, and Jericho told him he has something. And he should just keep studying and taking from the greats. I do. They did. They handled MJF mostly well on the show. I like that the only time he feels sincere or genuine is when he's talking about another super heel and how good he is. Like that's that fits well. Uh, and then they also they handled it well to jump ahead because uh, obviously Jericho is going to be positioned as a babyface on this show, which makes all the sense in the world. It's smart of them to realize that and be like, okay. We can actually make MGF an even bigger heel by having him heel on Chris Jericho on the one occasion where he's a babyface. So that's just like, they're not fighting the audience, which is smart. We had some more Jericho videos. This time we had Shaq, Gene, wait, hold on. Let me do this differently. We had Shaq, Don Callis, Lars Ulrich, DDP, and we had Gene Simmons. Yeah, we did. <laughs> that was easily the insane thing. So, uh, I'll tell the story here, but it also involves uh, it also does involve fellow uh, video person Paul Stanley. So, uh, the, the, this is a story of my autobiography. Be called "Weird Things Happen to Me: Stories from a Real Dumb Idiot." Uh, my pre-order now. Pre-order now is being published on I don't know what's a, a Verso book. ECW Press. ECW Press, yes. No, they're the ones that would do the, that would totally do this. So this might have been like, and I've been teasing this story. This might have been 96. I would have been 10. My brother would have been either 7 or 8. And we were in Chicago, pretty fitting, to talk about this. And we were going to the airport. And there were like these four really like haggard looking, like people around my, my parents' age or what I would assume so. Because when you're a kid, you don't really know how old people are. You just think everyone that's like, older than like two years older than you is like incredibly old and my brother on this trip drew a uh, friend of the show uh we went to fao schwartz and he got a beanie cap with a propeller on it and he was obsessed with it and uh these these like four really haggard guys sat on the bus with us on the way out there and my parents were just like awestruck drew and i had no idea uh and they were trying to get my brother to to trade to tr give him the hat and it was like oh yeah no no i'll give you something if you, the hat my dad, my dad was like elbowing him like give him the hat give him the hat and drew Bain, Drew was like no I, it's a repeller hat i love this hat and then later he was like oh no your kids are funny here and we ended up getting uh guitar picks from ace really because it was members of kiss everyone but gene simmons my dad knowing who they were like talked to uh 
uh it talked to paul stanley on the way out i was like uh where's jeans like oh that asshole went out went ahead of us and took the limo so that's what we're on the bus of you and your kids i, I would have given your son one of my guitars for that hat because i think it's funny so weird things happen to me I don't remember in what circumstance, but I have heard this story before, Mike. So okay, damn it! I, I hope you haven't told it in audio I, form. I, I have not heard it, so I don't think you've told it okay. on the show. But I, okay. it was—it's very funny to me that, of course, the big reveal at the end of the story was that it was members of Kiss, uh, which no one could have guessed by Aaron going <laughs> Gene Simmons <laughs> to throw it that. Well, I was but, trying but to set up Mike, you know. Gene Simmons was not part of the story because Gene Simmons was big timing Kiss on the reunion tour in 1996. That's brutal. But yeah, I've got uh, both me and my brother have guitar picks from Ace Frehley. I, I think you actually told it in the Discord. If I'm uh, okay, so, all right. That, yeah. that was one of those things. Uh, you know, on Patreon, you could click make a make a post early access. You know, for your patrons, that story was early access for our patrons, and now you know it's enough time has passed to give it to the listeners. Well, well I was working for my with my uh, ghostwriter through the story, so I was like sure. talking it out there, and now I'm ready to release it. Welcome to stories of uh weird things happened to me tales of a big dumb idiot the mike spears story all right we'll be back with part two next week oh i don't have that much that many so <laughs> it, it's gonna be how a, are you gonna write be, a book that, Mike? That was, that was it that was that was a third of the book <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's it that, 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 that's it that was my brush of greatness let's just do an ebook buddy <laughs> i mean i'll go and pay hip okay <laughs> uh there was a hype video for for brody and cody and then we had the TNT title match. Cody defeats Brody Lee with the crossroads. I think we've, got, I mean, we've talked about all the little funny things that happened. Yeah, here. well, uh, on the point of, hey, they're not fighting the audience. It's also nice to see a wrestling promotion where it's like, hey, people really seem to enjoy that John Silver guy. Let's throw him out here to do something and, and keep him fresh in people's minds. Yes, I agree. It's like, you know, dog collar matches have historically been really shitty. And uh, they actually, I thought they did a great job here. It's just like this was so bloody for like a non-heated like feud. It was just or, or for like cable television. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Given how Turner was about WCW towards the end, them doing this match on cable TV. Like no one doubt that AEW's in a bad case with Warren Media without Kevin Riley around, because they just gotta do a, a bloody as hell where they people who weren't even in the match bladed. I, I love bloody matches and it's like it's gotten to be too much for me on AEW. It's like, okay, too too much blood. Not that I like I'm like, yeah. I'm just like, it's. I'm numb to it at this point. But it's. I mean, every Cody match is like, yeah, he's gonna bleed. We know. We all know. Uh, after the match, Tony Schiavone's out there with Cody. Cody says, since he was 15, he's wanted to reach over the barricade and touch the fans. People have suggested that he take a dark path, but he refuses to do that. And then he, you know, wants everybody to know that he's not pandering because this is his life's work. Uh, he wants to defend the title next week, but doesn't know against whom. Orange Cassidy walks out. They give each other the thumbs up. Um, you know, another person who like very recently lost a match for the TNT title and there's no explanation for him being another, getting another shot at the title now. Yeah, it, but I guess yeah, Cody was doing an open challenge thing. I don't know. But it felt hot. So again, it's really hard to complain too much because it felt like had a really hot match, had a hot promo, and then we have a hot challenger come out for the big anniversary show. Like I can't really find fault with that. It feels more like Cody being like, fuck this guy got like over huge and I didn't get any part of it. So like <laughs> I've got to get my match with orange in my piece. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's just but it like more so goes to what i've been bitching about is like they have no clue what to do with orange cassidy it's like okay he's gonna come out and lose another title i don't know i think he might win now if he does i'll i'll i think i think that might have just been cody's little redemption thing to get get his get his shine back and now they're gonna go with the hot handed orange i think it's not outside the realm of possibility Mm. I kind of worry. I mean, this is for like five people who listen to this, but I kind of worry that Cody is going to be like the Chiro Hashimoto of this promotion. Or if you go like, if you look at the cage match of the Sendai girls world title, it's like, Oh, the VIP title. Yeah. It's like Hashimoto, somebody Hashimoto, somebody Hashimoto. I mean, it's just like constantly, she just loses it and then wins it right back, you know? And so I worry that, uh, that's going to be Cody here, but we'll see. Uh, Alex Marvez is with Kenny Omega. They're hyping up the singles tournament, letting us know that Wardlow and Hangman Adam Page have been added to the tournament. The main thing here was Kenny getting his dig in that Adam Page is a tag team wrestler. Kenny was insane here. Like Kenny <laughs> he was, looked, that, he looked insane for sure. He looked insane. He, he looked really insane. He was wearing a Japanese esports t-shirt and the way he was like his delivery of this either was, uh, one of my friends who watches this, I don't, uh, he he brought up like it's someone who like you who doesn't take mu snacks and then takes eight of them, like he definitely like felt like he was like on medicine. Uh, in that that's yeah, that's a that's a common cultural touchstone. I think we all know that one. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or someone who doesn't drink who suddenly starts drinking and is acts incredibly drunk. Like it was a, it was insane, Cody uh, Kenny promo. All right, mu Uh Big Swole defeated Serena Deeb with Dirty Dancing. No entrance for Serena Deeb. No. We, now we, we, we know and have, you know, are forced to accept that they're going to do one women's segment per show, but they can't even give them both entrances. No, they cannot. Um, they never did a, or did they? Did they do a Serena Deeb It's All Elite post? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Couldn't remember. I know that Jericho just like spoiled, or not spoiled, it was just like leaked no, it no, on she- his own podcast. Yeah. 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 On his web stream, he just did like that. I love it. I've never seen a Jericho live stream, but I'm imagining it is like one of the biggest train wrecks possible where he's just getting loaded and just saying stuff. Next up was the uh, the Mox video promo that we talked about earlier. Then we got some more Jericho videos. This time, Lance Storm, Kevin Smith, Eli Roth, Gabriel Iglesias and Chavo Guerrero, Steel Panther, Paul Stanley, and uh, the highlight, Ultimo Dragon. We don't need to be talking about the Forbidden Door when the Dragon's Gate's been open. Oh, you don't have to open the Dragon Gate to be good, Mike. <laughs> I know. I'm well aware. <laughs> uh, I will say, uh, Mike and I are going to be doing a, a This Is Chris Jericho episode on the Patreon. So I've watched the the war matches between Ultimo and Chris Jericho uh, from 1997, and they're so fucking good. And Ultimo- it's like, Yeah, he was great. Ultimo was like, when I first got into like... Uh, the, the luchadors coming over to, I mean, I know Ultimo's not a luchador, but you know, those people coming over to WCW. Yeah. Ultimo was like my original favorite. I just loved him. I mean, like, he has a sick mask. He does a backflip yeah. DDT before anyone else did. Uh, he's cool as hell. He, his Instagram is tremendous. Have you ever seen his Instagram? Well, I have, but I hadn't seen it in uh, 98 when he was coming over to WCW. <laughs> I, I, imagine seeing him in 90, seeing his Instagram in 98 as like a 12 year old seeing that, his Instagram. That'd be fucking wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first you'd be like, what the fuck is this thing in my hands? Right. Yeah, <laughs> two, yeah, yeah. And two, you're like, Ultimo is wearing like some sick suits. Yeah. Like, no wonder Stephanie McMahon wanted to unmask him. He's a handsome man. He is. He is. Uh, this I, do, uh, I just want to shout out uh, 
because we did the same thing on our show. We're like WAR promotion or Wrestle and Romance. Like Scalber turned it up a notch. He's like, Wrestle and Romance, if you're nasty. He it's did. I problem. appreciated the shout out to Wrestle and Romance. Uh, the main event, baby. Chris Jericho and Jake Hager defeated the Chaos Project, the team of Luther and Serpentico. Jericho pinned Luther after hitting him with the Judas effect. Uh, yeah. The, the, I mean, this was a joy to watch. Uh, you know, it, it you know, like Luther is what he is at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's I, what I, I was going to say. I don't know how you can watch watch this and not have some joy at, you know, however old he is, Luther out there with his old running buddy of 30 years and doing his damnedest to do all the big spots and jump off the top of the outside and all this shit. Pointing, pointing at his head, you know, just, just like the, the, this is, this is the thing that maybe I'm cutting myself off knees for deleting this episode as a concept, but Jericho deciding to like, Oh, I want to have like my old wrestling buddy. I want to have this guy and his weird friend here. And we're going to base the entire episode building up to this match. And then having like this match where it's like one and a quarter people who are able to wrestle. It was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if anybody tried to delete this, I would have fought you for sure. Uh, I just listened to the to Luther on the Jericho podcast, and my favorite part of it was that uh, Luther was like signed to go over to Japan after he'd had like a handful of matches, and they're like, okay, but you can't. He was going by Luscious Lenny at the time, and they were like, okay, we don't want you to go by Luscious Lenny. We want you to have like be like a little scarier. So he's like, so Jericho's like, oh well, how did you come up with Luther? He's like, well. I was, uh, the, uh, fuck. Now I can't remember the name of the, what's the goddamn movie with, uh, Texas with, Chainsaw Massacre. No, with, with Hannibal Lecter. What's in the movie? Uh, fuck. Silence of the Lambs. He's like, you've got mail. He's like, so I just seen Silence of the Lambs. So, uh, he's like, oh, so you were thinking like Lecter, but then to Luther. He's like, no, I, I told him that my name was going to be Dr. Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> God, he rules. <laughs> and of course, they decided not to let him do that. Uh, but he, I don't know. They used to have Freddy Krueger and shit over there wrestling. Leatherface? Yeah. yeah. But, well, but when he, by the time he got over there, he was going by Dr. Hannibal Luther. <laughs> God. So we have his first name now. I'm very glad that we learned that his first name is so, so he's Hannibal Luther, the wrestler. And he points yes. his forehead. Dr. Yeah. Hannibal Luther. Uh, but then, uh, not long after that, they brought in another guy that they called Hannibal. So they made him drop the Hannibal <laughs> and oh. just be Doctor Luther. So, uh, yeah, that's I did. I, I did watch that this year. Overrated? No bullshit. That's bullshit. Overrated. That's one of the ones I've been most pissed off about that you've posted. Mo- that that I put right in the same category as Stand by Me, uh, which of course also huge in Japan. Where there's all this dialogue in there that was probably original for the time, but since then has just been repeated ad nauseum not only on other movies and television shows but just by like the stupid kids in your class when you were growing up and i never had seen this movie so i never knew what they like i never like what's an example at the end of stand by may he's like uh you know i'll 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 see you i'll see i'll see you later and river phoenix is like not if i see you first which yeah. is like, okay, I can see maybe when that was never said before, that's like a halfway interesting line of dialogue. But now it just doesn't mean anything. It exists. <laughs> it's just a non- nonsensical small talk thing people say, right? Sure. And and that's the whole movie. And that's the same thing with Sounds of the Lambs. Sounds of the Lambs is better than Stand By Me for sure. This is an but insane thing. Basically, basically the Jodie Foster stuff, all the investigatory stuff, Jodie Foster is good. 
The Hannibal Lecter stuff is just shtick. Not a fan. Hmm. Just uh, not happy about this. What do you have thoughts on Stand by Me? That one I really hated. I hated. No, it. it's no, it's been too long since I've seen it. Okay, and don't, my brain don't doesn't watch work it. well enough. No, if you have fond memories of it, don't watch it. I don't really have any. I mean, I don't have an overall thought on it to be honest. All right, but I, but I really like Silence of the Lambs. So, of course, I also haven't seen that in about eight years. So, like him doing his little his little lip sucking shtick and talking about a nice Chianti. That's like really pretty cringe. Uh, can't. I mean, like I said, I can't really speak on it because it's been too long since I've seen it. The great thing about my brain is I can watch things over and over, and it's like the first time I don't right. I don't know the twist. Like, this, oh, is, this is fucking great. This is yeah, the advantages of head trauma. This is <laughs> yeah. you, you do not oh, want to be like Gronkowski and cure your uh, brain damage. No, I, no, no, no. I mean, this is one of the reasons with all the concussions. You'll probably hear that Gene Simmons story. Like this is the second time that Bentley's heard it. I'll probably tell the story again in eight months, and I'll think that I completely have said it again. So uh, yeah. it'll be but I'll, I'll tell it. Don't worry. Okay, I appreciate right. it. Yeah, Post-match, we have Jericho. He says, 30 years this business, uh, but MJF's music hits. MJF says, he's not here to step on your toes or steal your spotlight. He's just out because he respects Chris Jericho, wants to be part of the celebration. He's brought a gift. It's covered uh, very poorly with like a, <laughs> a, a blanket of some sort. And Wardlow like, is corpse in the background, by the way. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like Wardlow, you know, uh, you know, show him my gift, but then he's like, "Wait, I'm going to do, do a countdown." <laughs> yeah, Wardlow's got the blanket half of half the way <laughs> off of already, which was yeah. that was like a unintentional but subtle thing of Wardlow being tired of his bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Uh, so he he takes it off. Uh, it's a clown, and uh, it is not Frank the Clown. I thought for sure it was Frank the Clown. To be honest, we uh, don't live in a just world. That's the problem. No, yeah, it, honestly. The clown, it doesn't make sense unless it is Frank the Clown. That's right. true. Yeah. I Why? Agree. There's no reason for it to be a clown. No. It would have been but, better. But at least Frank, Frank the Clown would have been like a big celebrity cameo <laughs> that yeah. everybody could go wild for on Twitter. It like would have me. been so funny. <laughs> Dude, I would, have, I would have lost my shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's the clown. The clown is holding another gift. Jericho opens that. It's a picture of MJF. Uh, Jericho's not happy about this. He breaks it over the clown's head, gives the clown a Judas effect, which was pretty good. Great uh, sell. Jericho says he hates clowns. Don't ever interrupt me again. But they were actually just kidding about getting mad at each other. They laugh. Uh, all the heels come out to celebrate. The credits roll, but every credit is given to one Chris Jericho. They also put like the, the go-home music from SNL on there, which is a, a funny little touch. Now, who, who do we blame for this closing? Who wrote this? Was this MJF or Jericho? I feel like Jericho wrote this like oh you'll bring a clown out yeah that, that, that that's that's pure jericho <laughs> that mindset feels like jericho, right yeah, yeah yeah when you do that many years in wwe you think clowns like like that <laughs> bring like a clown that. and a photo of yourself yeah 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 i i mean the snl thing i think probably i would say also jericho it seems like that's something that jericho would find very funny oh that was yeah. tony khan i feel confident hmm. i see I, I see what you're doing here <laughs> wait what do you what do i you don't speak? Buddying up to the booker. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just earlier called him an enabler on this episode. <laughs> I, so. I mean, uh, they, you, no, you, yeah, we're, we're taking the wrong tack to, to buddy to buddy up to him. We need to start. Tony, right. let Cody book everything. That's right. And then, well, no, never mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you want, I mean, since we're not big buddies with Tony Khan, if you want to be big buddies with us, go over to Patreon, patreon.com. Slash everything elite. Oh yeah, just throw us a fiver once a month, and we'll be we'll be best friends. 
we do a lot of bonus audio on the Patreon. Uh, we usually do a bonus show each week, and then we do light on Wednesdays where Mike and I preview Dynamite, review Dark, any other like Road 2 if they do that as they did this week. And then Nate gives us uh, the recap of everything that's gone on on BTE and sometimes other similar vlogs. Uh, our bonus audio this week. Oh, wait, no, I fucked this up, didn't I? This yeah, week this... you did the collective preview. Yes, yes. I reviewed all 12 shows of the collective. Hour it, and a half. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, oh, yeah, I previewed it. Yeah, yeah. hour and a half. Uh, yeah, no, it was something I discovered some guys on there. It was a uh, a good time, and I'm going to do the same thing on Monday. On Monday, it is Mike's Big Indie Weekend, and I'm watching as much of the collective live as I can, and I will have a big episode of me giving reviews, and I'll probably do the thing where it's where I will give some, uh, some uh, spoiler-free uh, recommendations, and then uh, later down the line, I will catch up with the remainder of the collective stuff. So it's, it's a big indie time. Are you going to have guests on the show? I've been trying to figure that out, but it, it, it's something that there might be guests. Okay, there might there. be guests. There might, there might be uh, guests. Mike and I are also working on, this is Chris Jericho, as we talked about earlier. So that's going to be coming soon to also celebrate his 30th anniversary. And we have a Discord. I'm trying to do more of a push for the Discord because we have lots of patrons who do not hang out in the Discord. And it's a lot of fun. So all you got to do is hook up your little Patreon account to your Discord. And uh, if you're not on Discord, it's still easy to set up. I wasn't on Discord when we started the day of Discord. And I figured it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you were like, well, we're going to do a Discord now. It's like, you're not on Discord. No. <laughs> and now he is. Now yeah. I am. I now, you, now you control bots and, you know, yes. you have them do all, all kinds of things for your benefit. So, yeah. I do. So, it's good. So, come join us. Uh, Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Only $5 will get you every piece of audio uh, that we do, every piece of audio that, that we've done over the past 11 months. So uh, come join us. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Next week on Dynamite. Uh, it's a big card. The men's world title. John Moxley taking on Lance Archer. The TNT title. Cody taking on Orange Cassidy. The tag team titles are on the line. FTR taking on the best friends. Kip Sabian and Gamer, the best man, Miro, will be in action. And MJF has an announcement. I have one question, gentlemen. Yeah. Three title matches. Mm-hmm. One of these has to change hands, baby. Which one is it? So it just occurred to me in going over this that I have to be correct. It has to be Orange Cassidy beating Cody because they just put the DDT Iron Man heavy metal weight title on Orange Cassidy and they can't move it to Cody already. So Orange Cassidy is going to defend that belt and win to Cody's belt and become a triple champion. He's going to become the true Triple Crown champion. He's going to have that belt. He's going to have the DT heavy metalweight title. He's also the Pakistani 24-7 title. He's just, his Jan sport of title belts is just going to be so heavy at the end of, of Wednesday. I mean, you don't want to do what, what Stardom did at Yokohama. Fast forward uh, if you uh, have or don't want to be spoiled on that. Uh, and have every single fucking champion retain. So... You can't do three title matches and, and not change any titles here, right? Hameka was robbed. Uh, that's Hameka always true. Yeah. Big as justice. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's all my thoughts on Dynamite for next week. Uh, somebody should win a, a title. for. Uh, I, I do have one question title. for you all. So the big thing with, with MJF is that he's going to make a big announcement. Uh, do we think 
I'll go ahead. Do we think it involved? It, it, they're leading us on to believe it's going to involve the inner circle. Do we think he's going to do his own thing, or is this going to be something of inner circle? Or do you think this is going to be like my big announcement is that uh, I'll have another announcement next week? I'll have an announcement at the pay per view. Like, where do you see this going? I think they're going to a program with him and Jericho. Okay. I, I think they've because they've had a couple vignettes now of weeks, and you know they're they're frenemies or whatever they pretend to get along, but also simultaneously are, you know, don't like each other. So that's basically what you got in the, the main event segment here is MJF comes out and heals on Jericho basically and brings him a clown and Jericho responds by killing the clown. But then they both play it off like, Oh no, nah, we're actually, we get along actually because they're both pretending to be nice. So I think th- I'm, I'm going to guess it goes to MJF either you know outright rejecting the inner circle or or something that leads into a program with him and jericho because he seems like a guy where jericho worked with orange cassidy and now jericho is is tabbed mjf as oh he 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 can be a star i'm gonna make him a star okay yeah i'm along the same line so i was just wondering where y'all's thoughts were at about this uh i don't care fair gonna be honest uh i will ingest it i will react to it but uh just like can't really be bothered to get worked up about it at this point so thinking is hard you know just reacting is easy exactly i you know i don't like to be proactive in the world uh just let things happen to me and you know see what happens uh if you want to find out what happens go over twitter add everything AEW. give us a follow i'm at aaron like the car nate is at epitasis that's right yeah mike is at fuji heya short-circuited there for a second Give us a subscription to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating, a review on the Apple Podcast app. And uh, please go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and uh, test out some of our sweet bonus content. That's it. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. I can't-